0: This is A New Angle, a show about cool people doing awesome things in and around Montana. I'm your host, Justin Angle. This show is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business. Hey folks, welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. My guest today is Craig Hurlbert, co-founder and co-CEO of Local Bounty an ag tech startup headquartered in Hamilton, Montana.
1: It's one of the rare times in my lifetime that something that's more sustainably grown is at a similar price point.
0: Craig is a seasoned entrepreneur with deep experience in the energy sector and private equity. What he and his local bounty colleagues are trying to do is super interesting. To scale production and distribution of high-quality produce, using indoor growing facilities that use 90% less water and land. It's an ambitious vision, and one that the capital markets are excited about. In June, the company announced it would go public through a SPAC deal valued at $1.1 billion. What does that mean? Well, let's find out. Craig, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Justin, great to be here. I'm very, very excited to be here as a Montana boy, born and raised.
0: Yeah. So tell us about that. Where did you grow up and what did your parents do?
1: So I was born in Havre. My dad was a banker. We moved to Billings when I was about one. So Billings is all I really knew. Born and raised, went to uh, Billings West High School. My mom and dad moved to Red Lodge right after I graduated from high school. I ended up uh, playing college golf at New Mexico State.
0: And then I ended up at San Diego State, but Montana's always been home for me. Give us sort of the potted bio of your of your business background because you 've done so many interesting things. yeah, sure. So I
1: graduated with my MBA and uh, got a job uh, with a company in Seattle. They were in the energy business okay, and right before that, I was in the investment banking world. From there, I ended up in Houston, and then the company I was with in Houston Stuart Stevenson got bought by General Electric and GE moved us all to Atlanta, and I was at GE for three years, and that's really where my career really took off. I worked uh, for a very fast growth business inside of GE, had an opportunity to really learn how to behave as an executive. I worked for, effectively, someone that reported to Jack Welch, and uh, got a lot of experience uh, just on how to run businesses, how to think about companies, and so my next logical step was to become a CEO, which I did at a relatively young age in 1999. And from there to today, I've ran two different businesses. And now the third one, Local Bounty, which we're here to talk about
0: today. Yeah. So let's just get into Local Bounty. You've come home to Montana in some ways. And uh, yeah, this is an ag tech startup. Tell us tell us what ag tech is and how lo- Local Bounty, what you're trying to do. Uh,
1: my business partner and I, Travis Joyner, who has a law degree, by the way, from the University of Montana, Travis and I were investing in startup companies, water, infrastructure, energy, and we were looking heavily in agriculture as well. And we were doing this out of Hamilton. We had a little office in Hamilton. We'd made some successful investments. We were involved in a couple of Montana businesses. And we started digging into controlled environment agriculture.
0: Okay. You're going to have to translate that for us.
1: So controlled environment agriculture basically means the way traditional agriculture works today. Like I grew up. Justin on a dryland wheat farm. I grew up in Billings, but our family had a farm south of Flaxville, in between Flaxville and Poplar, uh, not far from Plentywood, so up in kind of the northeastern corner of the mm-hmm. state. And every summer I would go up there work on our family's dryland wheat farm. Traditional agriculture basically means that the the plants and the products are exposed to nature. So, if you think about wheat and things like that that are storable, they're not as prone to issues regarding travel and cold chain and things of that nature so the perishables like lettuce and herbs i don't know about your family but i know my family you know being here in montana struggled to find fresh uh, herbs and leafies if you will so and those are perishables so normally those are grown in southern california or northern california arizona mexico that product to get to missoula has to endure quite a trek And first of all, it has to survive the growth cycle. All we're seeing, climate change with droughts and fires and, you know, all the things going on. So it has to survive that first and foremost. Then it gets, it gets cut. Then it gets uh, washed in some kind of a triple wash. Then it goes through multiple different cold chains and distribution channels, ultimately ending up on your grocery store shelf. And then finally making it into your refrigerator. And that, that plant has been dead now for however long it's been, a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks, maybe longer. And what that really means is the product is degrading from the get-go. So by the time it gets to your your refrigerator, it is inevitably not going to last very long. And so that's why we throw away so many herbs and, and leafies as families. Even though we're trying to do the right thing, it's really hard to do the right thing because the product won't allow you to do it. So controlled environment agriculture is really d- designed to bring those the, the products that are more perishable to bring them closer to the consumer. Okay. So with our technology and the reason we named the company local bounty is we're going to place seven or eight farms throughout the Western United States, all of which will be within two to 300 miles of uh, population centers that will allow us to harvest in the afternoon, deliver to a distribution center in the evening. They can get it into the grocery store the next day. Okay, potentially maybe it's 2 days. Sure. But the cycle's been drastically shortened. I mean, you're taking
0: multiple days, maybe a week off of the supply chain.
1: Exactly. Maybe more than a week, maybe 2 weeks. Okay. In addition, we use no herbicides and pesticides, okay? We are n- use 90% less water and land, so super efficient with the water and land. And if you think about the cold chain route and all of the food miles attached. So some of them have 1,500 to 2,000 food miles attached to them. So by cutting down the food miles using no herbicides and pesticides, you're really bringing a superior product closer to the consumer at a very similar or the same, potentially even lower price point.
0: Lower price point, same price point and such a, a smaller carbon footprint and all these other metrics that we should be thinking about as well. Correct.
1: It's one of the rare times... In my lifetime, that something that's more sustainably grown is at a similar price point. That's not the case in the en- energy world, right? Wind and solar are still higher priced than coal on a 24 /7, 365 basis. They're getting closer, but they'll never catch up. And that's just the realities of BTUs in the energy world. Here, we are at price parity, and you can have a sustainable product. So it's a real
0: win-win for both
1: the planet and the consumer.
0: Let's talk a little bit about how you're able to do that. I mean, you say controlled environment, agriculture, I sort of think greenhouse, but like it's an indoor facility down in Hamilton is your first facility. Maybe describe kind of mechanics of what it looks like and what happens in there. So traditionally, indoor
1: agriculture has been in two forms. One has been a vertical farm. Think of trays going up to the roof of a 40 foot tall building. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of indoor lighting and a lot of climate control, air conditioning, if you will. So you've got a huge building and you're climate controlling it. You're putting a lot of LED lights and all of that in there. That's vertical farming. Then there's horizontal farming, which is greenhouse farming. Okay. Okay. Greenhouse farming is where you plant a seed on one end and it comes out the other end, you know, 45 days later and it's a product. Okay. When we were doing our research, Travis and I, when we were trying to make an investment in a CEA controlled environment agriculture company, we couldn't find one. Hmm. And the reason we couldn't find one was because they were either all vertical or all horizontal. Okay. And those two technologies didn't make sense to us standing on their own two feet. So vertical, high yield, high cost, horizontal or greenhouse farming, lower yield, low cost. Got it. We were looking for high yield, low sure. cost. Yeah. Yeah. That's a quadrant find you want to be in couldn't find it so we invented it and what you'll see at hamilton is the first of its kind we're utilizing the best of vertical farming and the best of horizontal farming to unlock really really unique and superior unit economics we can grow more SKUs or products so when the customer goes to the grocery store they can buy local bounty mixes, local bounty romaine, local bounty herbs. They can find a brand that they can believe in and trust in.
0: And how big is a, fa- a facility? Is this first one in Hamilton?
1: So this is a really great question. Our first facility is uh, about two and a half acres, okay, and it's about twelve greenhouses. So we start. It started out five greenhouses, and then we exp- are currently about ready to complete the expansion to twelve greenhouses. Mm-hmm. We started small so that we could really prove everything out. Sure. So we could do it capital efficiently, okay? Many of the other firms we were looking at to make an investment in started with a 60-acre facility and then tried to get that to work. Very complicated, very difficult to do. So what Hamilton has allowed us to do is really get everything ironed out inside the facility. So now we're about ready to break ground in Pasco, Washington. Right on about a 35 to 40 greenhouse facility, 32 to 40. We're kind of figuring that out right now. We're making a few minor tweaks. And that next facility will really be ready to go from day one.
0: So one of the words we haven't heard in this discussion yet is is organic. And so talk about that. I mean, it doesn't sound like what you're producing is defined as organic. or, or How does that fit into this conversation? Sure. It's a completely different, what I'll say, category.
1: Sure. And one of the things we don't like about organic is it's grown outside. It's got similar problems that we just talked about with traditional agriculture. I kind of throw organic in that same mix. The dirty little secret is, I think the question we need to be asking as consumers is, is organic even organic? Hmm. Are they using herbicides and pesticides? What is in their triple wash that they talk about? What are the chemicals that are in the triple wash? At Local Bounty, we don't have a triple wash. We don't need a triple wash. We're grown in a perfect environment where the plant gets exactly what it needs whenever it needs it. And so I think this is where the consumer has been lacking transparency, specifically on the leafies for sure. When you stand in front of the produce with all that wall of of product on on the wall, we still don't know what that product had to go through to get on that wall. We need to know that, Justin. Consumers need to understand that. We're starting to make decisions more and more. What's best for us as people, our families? What's best for the environment? That's one of the things Local Bounty's mission is really revolving around, is complete transparency on what the product actually stands for. So we view organic as a question mark.
0: Yeah, it seems like you know organic can be used as a heuristic for a, a consumer, yet food is a category where I think a consumer might be willing and able to go past a simple heuristic in decision-making. So how do you kind of think that you and your team are gonna make this case to the consumer that, that they should pick yours versus something that is merely organic or some other category?
1: I think it's back to the the word transparency. I think that we have a very significant, what I'll call, marketing and branding effort. And our mission on that side, on the branding side, is to make sure that the consumers know what their families are actually putting in their bodies and what that impact is on the environment. And once that transparency happens, I think the consumer will just say, I, I'm never going to buy anything but that because it's at the same price point as the organic folks. So, I would say transparency is a big one. It's going to be a process to get there, but I think once people taste our product and and just experience it, I think that will that will end up being the best marketing of all.
0: I would I would assume too since you are you know vertically integrated in a way that you know you own your production, your production is situated close to your point of sale, that the consumer will know what local bounty is and be able to connect it with your actual facility. I think maybe that chain of, of transparency helps too because when you buy another brand, you don't really have any idea where it came from. Right.
1: This is such an important point, Justin. The produce section of the grocery store has suffered from a massive lack of a brand. Like who really connects to the Dole brand, for example? You don't really know what that stands for. It's a huge company and a great company, I'm sure, but it's not really a company that's talking about, you know, what's really good, what's in the product, what as it relates to sustainability. And don't get me wrong, traditional agriculture and organic, there's a role for those. There's a $30 billion market in the U.S., for these products, less than 1% is farmed indoors, okay? So there's a massive market out there that's not local bounty wins and everybody else loses. That's not the case, we're not even saying that. There'll be many, 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 many people that do well in this industry. But when you think about produce, there hasn't been a brand that's you could really connect to in that way, okay? And that's really what local bounty is wanting to do. We're wanting to connect with the consumer, in a very real way, in a way that they know that they could trust our product and know how it was grown. I mean, even picture a point in time where you could go up with your phone and there's a QR code on our packaging. You can scan the QR code and it could show a little video of how our product got to that shelf.
0: We'll be back to my conversation with Local bounties Craig Holbert after this short break. A New Angle is supported by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and UM's College of Business. Access to capital, broadband, and education are three ingredients any community needs for success. Hi, this is Mike Morelli, Director of the Entertainment Management Program at the University of Montana, and you are listening to A New Angle. Welcome back to A New Angle. I'm speaking with local bounty's Craig Hulbert about the potential of indoor agriculture. Let's sort of fast forward because you've got so many things happening. You you showed me your calendar before we we started recording. And so part of it is like trying to get this this concept and this business off the ground. And then this next part is like, okay, we've got this idea. We think it can scale. The markets are excited about it. You've got the whole kind of capital raising piece of it as well in which you have deep experience in that space. Describe... Where you're at with financing, we've seen a lot of big headlines, SPAC deals, like what's, what's happening?
1: I think with any big idea, you can't just have the dream of the markets and the technology and all of that. You also have to back it up with solid execution. Part of that is funding the company properly. That's a big part of it. Another part of it is making sure you have the right talent in the right place. That's a really big part of it. And then the leadership side, getting everybody rowing in the proper direction. Your question was mostly around the financing side. So I'll touch on that. We realized very quickly, because remember, we started by looking at CEA companies wanting to make an investment. So what we realized very early on was that there wasn't a business that embodied the characteristics necessary to succeed over the long term, in our opinion. In the cea space controlled environment agriculture so we realized quickly we needed to get the proper funding in place to do that but we wanted to do it efficiently as possible so we started exploring debt partners and we started exploring you know equity capital as well and that quickly left us on the debt side we wanted to find a large agricultural conglomerate to help us preferably a global conglomerate. Okay. And that's where Cargill comes into the picture. Mm. What Cargill is committed to is $200 plus million in debt to help us build out our next seven facilities across the Western United States. So they obviously did a lot of due diligence. They got excited about our unit economics, the team that's in place, etc. cetera, our plan and our, and our background of execution. So on the debt side, we have our debt partner. Couldn't be more happy with Cargill, amazing company. So that left the equity side. So we did raise some money from friends and family, not very much. We've raised less than $15 million to date. And we have, we're we in 400 grocery stores. So a little bit over 400 grocery stores to date. So we're very proud of our capital efficiency. But we knew we needed a lot of capital. So we started looking at the SPAC, which is uh, what I'll just, for those of the listeners that don't know, it's just a fast way to go public. So you kind of truncate a year and a half long process into about six to nine months. And if you could find the right partner, which we did, it's an unbelievable route to take.
0: So is it worth just taking a moment to define SPAC, special purpose acquisition corporation, and it's basically a fundraising mechanism that is not attached to a specific business. And then the the perp, the, the sort of Uh, premise is that I invest in the SPAC and then I invest in the SPAC's leadership and trust that leadership to then go find an awesome business like Local Bounty to transfer ownership to.
1: Excellent description. Very, very good description. And with that solid description, I'll give you kind of our experience. Sure. We ended up meeting with probably 15 to 20 SPACs, these these professionals that go out and raise money. In our case, this SPAC is $275 million dollars. And the SPAC leaders for Leo 3 uh, have a large consumer background. They've invested in things like Kettle Chips, True Foods, mm-hmm. uh, Gordon Ramsay, uh, and other what I'll call consumer products. So they loved this story just as much as we love their backstory. Yeah. And we signed that agreement in, the, in March of this year. And our working relationship since then has only gotten closer and closer.
0: Mm -hmm. And so the next step is, well, there's a bunch of steps, but sort of the, the big milestone is this transition to trading under your own ticker, which is sort of when you're officially a public company and you're predicting sometime in October. October, early November. Correct. Fantastic. And so... The idea there is with this capital, you can scale the business to, you know, you've got this facility that you're building out in, in Pasco, you know, where, what other locations have you been thinking about that? Or what are your sort of criteria for choosing a, a location and, and it's so It's a great forth? question
1: also. Uh, so some of our competitors are building facilities in large metropolitan areas. Right. New York City, Chicago, San Francisco, Los Angeles. You won't see local bounty building facilities in major metropolitan areas. We're looking for places that are just outside within an easy drive to metropolitan areas. So Pasco can serve Spokane, Seattle, Portland, Mm -hmm. Boise. Mm -hmm. Very strategic location. We're also looking in Denver and Reno and multiple Salt Lake City, multiple other sites in the Western United States. So we're looking for, you know, obviously the right kind of land with the right kind of access to freeways, et cetera. Water. We need a little bit of water, not as much as traditional agriculture, 90% less water to be precise. And then we're looking for a permitting. And, and honestly, <clears throat> we have been so pleased with the community leaders being so excited to add a local bounty facility into their community, because take Pasco, for example, you got Washington state right down the street. You've got kids that grew up on farms, go off to school, can come back and have a have a good job in a in a facility like a local bounty facility. So, the the community leaders are excited to bring these sustainable kind of next gen businesses into their communities.
0: Yeah, talk a little bit about some of those jobs that that you were able to create. I would assume there's a distribution. You've got some sort of you know probably lower skilled traditional ag jobs, but also spread across this technology um, spectrum to to higher skill, higher wage labor as well. So I I think of it in kind of two
1: two different layers. Uh, The first layer would be at the corporate level. Uh, So we've been able to attract talent at the corporate level. We've got scientists, we've got engineers, uh, we've got sales professionals, we've got marketing professionals. You know, we've got kind of across the matrix. We've gone from, you know, 10 employees to 80 employees this year alone, and we'll double that or more next year. Then think about the facility level. What I love about these jobs most of all, is if you think about the pictures you see, go Google lettuce farming in California, lettuce harvesting in California, and look at the images you're gonna see, okay? Just do it. For those of you listening, do that. And then picture the same job at Local Bounty. You're in a lab coat. You're working in an air-conditioned environment. You've got benefits. In fact, at Local Bounty, the CEOs, Travis Joyner and Craig Goldberg, have the exact same benefits as the people in the facility. We want it that way because those people are what make the whole company go. So we are so proud of the of the jobs that we're bringing to these communities. That way we can tell the communities we're serving. Local bounty, local farmers, local produce, and local grocery stores. Right. closed loop system. It's, yeah. a local, it's a local game at that point.
0: I think access is an important piece of this as well. I mean, we've talked about some of the issues surrounding access, but you mentioned food deserts. You mentioned the sort of length of time in the supply chain. You mentioned the price point. Like all of these things roll up into p- the potential to make healthy produce more accessible to more people in more environments. Uh, you know, and just creating mechanisms for a healthier society, I think, are important to you and your team as well.
1: Absolutely. And, and just keep this in mind. All of those things plus the produce that you buy from us will behave like those little mini carrots in your fridge. They won't degrade in three to four days. You have to throw it away. No longer. will you have to have line of sight to buying that head of lettuce. Like my family, we have tacos every Tuesday. We buy lettuce on Monday, knowing we're going to have tacos on Tuesday. Yeah. You can buy that lettuce three weeks in advance and know that that's going to be good. And that just, that will also enhance families to eat better, be, be healthier. And, the end of the day this is just it the time has come for this technology think of where technology has impacted everything else from the cars we drive to the way we deposit checks today mm-hmm. to everything else why has the last major innovation in farming been the tractor why why is that acceptable in the agricultural world and i think california is really suffering right now droughts fires all kinds of problems We've gotta start to realize this climate change is real and it's starting to impact things. And so we need this. Listen to this fact, Justin, really quick. The world needs 70% more food in just 30 years. That's you and I looking at each other, 40% of the farmable land has been destroyed in the last 30 years. Those are bad trends. This technology's time has come and it's here to stay.
0: So you're at this inflection point where this deal's coming together Things are about to get big. Like, what are the problems that kind of keep you up at night? What, how, like, what, and, and frame that in terms of what does success look like? What, what are the key yeah. things that, that you and your team need to nail in order for, yeah. you know, five years from now for you to be where you want to be?
1: The biggest thing missing in this industry when we did our due diligence three and a half years ago was a lot of very fancy PowerPoint slides, not enough execution. So for us, what we talk to our team about every day, including Saturday and Sunday, is our success will revolve around our execution. And that means being good to our people, you know, living to our core values. We don't need to get into all of that. But at the end of the day, in 2025, we want to have, meet, have, have met or exceeded our projections. Mm-hmm. If we have done that, we will be a top tier CEA firm, if not the best CEA firm in the world. So that's the whole target is all around execution, and that's all we really talk about in the company.
0: And so, for for people interested, maybe you've seen local bounty at your grocery store. Maybe you haven't. If if you if you haven't, go look for it. But how do, how can people learn more about you and your team online? Where would so we have on? a
1: website, uh, localbountywithaneye.com. dot com. Mm-hmm. I think, I hope your listeners are interested. I would not view this as really a threat to traditional agriculture. I would view this as Uh, kind of the next step the next logical step for perishables Mm -hmm. uh, specifically in food deserts like i remember we were working with a company in uh, north dakota and it was january and uh, we we were up there in a hotel we tried to have dinner and we couldn't find any lettuce couldn't get a salad they're in a food desert up there that's not going to be the case now we're going to be able to grow lettuce in the middle of january in hamilton montana
0: well It sounds exciting. Uh, I've enjoyed learning more about it. And Craig, I wish you and your team well. And welcome home to Montana as well. Thank you so much. It was great to be with you. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a generous gift from University of Montana alums, Michelle and Lauren Hansen. A New Angle is presented by First Security Bank, Blackfoot Communications, and the University of Montana College of Business, with additional support from Consolidated Electrical Distributors, Drum Coffee, and Montana Public Radio. AJ Williams is our producer, BTO Jeff Amet, and John Wicks made our music, editing by Nick Mott, and Jeff Meese is our master of all things sound. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.